This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. All opinions expressed by Leah and Matt or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Inspire Wealth Partners or Entrusted Accounting. Clients of Inspire Wealth Partners may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to Money Rules Don't Rule. We're your hosts, Leah Haint and Matt Cooley. Today, we're talking about what we call retirement hazards. What does it mean to retire? And so many transitions. How do you go from saving every penny to spending it in your later years? We're going to talk about money and all the things money connected to retirement. But first, Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm excited for this episode. I have a lot of these conversations and I'm ready to go. Nice. Thanks for being excited about this. So let's just dive right in. If we say retirement hazards, first and foremost, what do we mean when we say retire? Yeah, I think in the traditional sense, retirement in actually means a place to retreat or put something to rest. And you no longer have the obligatory early alarms or deadlines or meetings or office politics when you retire, but hopefully you're not going anywhere anytime soon. I like to call it the next chapter rather than retirement. So retirement has this very like closed door and you really want to keep the book open. Oh, that's a nice analogy. So, you know, we can retire and withdraw from employment but we, we don't want to retire and withdraw from living, at least not yet. So hopefully for the most of us, when we do decide to retire and we kind of hit that target and hit that stride, like we still have plenty of living to do. And I think what I'm understanding from my clients, Matt, is that like without that activity or purpose, it's really easy to flounder. It's really easy to flounder in that socially, logistically, like risk how to figure out like how much can I loosen up and spend, even if I have the plan, even if it tells me that I can draw down an X amount for my retirement every year. Do I really believe that? Can you, can you talk a little bit about that with some of the clients that you interact with? Yeah, for sure. Our society has definitely painted retirement as an idealistic time in our lives. It's the golden years, baby. You got more time to hit the links to play in the garden, more time to kick back and travel, to hang out with grandkids and enjoy life. It should be amazing, right? You know, one of the biggest challenges, though, is this gap between reality and expectation. Before you hang it up, it's all hypothetical. What if you get into retirement and it isn't what you had envisioned and your hobbies aren't enough to sustain you? Then what? And most soon-to-be retirees have big plans for the next chapter. But I think it's also normal that they harbor doubts about what does come next. I've helped a lot of people retire and some objectively succeed in retirement and some objectively fail in retirement. What do you mean by that? I think, well, we'll get into this in a bit, but there are ways and commonalities and common themes for the people that have a successful and a fulfilled retirement. Maybe what I mean is just fulfillment in retirement. And I think if you fail in retirement, you don't have that fulfillment. And if you succeed in retirement, you you do have that fulfillment. But as we all, always discuss in this podcast, your life is unique to you. And what brings you happiness and fulfillment might not bring me the same enjoyment. But as I alluded to, there's commonality in things you can do to ensure a fulfilling and successful retirement, however you choose to define that. 
Okay. So that that's becoming clear to me and, and for our listeners, a successful retirement is partly financial success and mostly personal success, individual success, how you want to live your life, how you want to explore in this next chapter. So, so this is a, a podcast about money and we want to talk about retirement and the money in retirement. But when we're talking about kind of a successful retirement, we want to be clear that we're really talking about like your life being successful and trusting the plan that you've set in place to help you get there. You're not talking about people like going on a, on a spending spree and like drawing down all their money and kind of being left turning out their pockets and frustrated. So a successful retirement has more to do with like the way that you're choosing to spend your days and less about the financial decisions that you're making in retirement. Am I hearing you right? Yes, that's that's a great explanation. You explained it much better than I, Leah. It's are you happy and are you enjoying how you're spending your time in retirement? And I think you have to have a plan for how you're going to spend your time in retirement. Just like you have to have a retirement plan that shows, hey, I'm going to have enough money to be okay. You also need to have a plan for, am I going to be happy filling my time with whatever I'm going to be filling it with in retirement? Research shows those are who are happiest in retirement are usually the ones that continue to have a sense of purpose. You have to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. During your working years, it's easy to feel a sense of self-worth and productiveness when you get up and go to work every day. And if your identity is wrapped up in your job, it can be easy to feel a loss of importance and vitality in retirement when that's no longer there. So developing a sense of importance is critical and can be cultivated in a number of ways, volunteer opportunities, charity work, or what I like to call an encore career. And the most successful and fulfilled retirees are the ones that use their talents and passion to make an impact. So mm. it usually starts with a process of introspection and reflecting on what's important to you. Yeah. And I think I'm also hearing you, Matt, say like this kind of starts well in advance of the actual retirement date. Um, set a long runway. I know when I got into this business, I had a lot of advisors and mentors express, you know, come up with that game plan. If you want an exit strategy, if I want to sell my practice, if I want to retire, it's kind of like a 10 year thing to not only figure out what the targets are, but get the right team in place and figure out the right strategy and the transition time. So it's not just like coming off a cliff. It's more like kind of riding the gentle wave. Um, sticking with it that way. So if if I'm going to retire and just stop and pull out of my work and just be done and think that I'm going to magically figure out what gives me purpose, I'm going to argue that that's kind of a lost cause. And so what you're saying, Matt, is like that introspection. And a lot of retirees have success in that when they start that process, even well before they retire. Absolutely. At least a few years I think investing in relationships and activities and hobbies and skills that you're going to be using to fill your time in retirement well in advance of actual retirement can lead to a happier retirement. So, so many transitions at once is kind of what we're talking about. If you decide to quit your job and move to a different state and downsize your home, and if your social contacts were all at your workplace and now those have gone away, like it can be a heavy hit of a lot of transitions at once. Be mindful of that, recognize that those are coming, and maybe just take them on one at a time. 
maybe two at a time. Um, Downsizing is a big thing for retirees, especially with their kids have grown and gone and they don't need so much space anymore. I know a lot of retirees are actually moving states to be closer to their children who have gone off to college in different states and decided to remain there and settle there. And now they want to be closer to their kids and their grandchildren. So so many transitions at once, give yourself a little bit of a buffer and kind of maybe just one at a time, maybe two at a time. The moving one is one that I see quite a bit. Well, not quite a bit. It's a small sample size. Over the last couple of years, I've worked with probably four or five retirees that thought that moving states or moving cities would bring them more enjoyment or fulfillment. They picked up, they left their entire community. Some of them left their families to move to maybe a warm weather place where they wanted to golf every day and play tennis. And when you leave all of your community, it's a big void to fill. Of the probably four that have left in the last couple of years and moved, three of them have moved back because of that void that's just missing in their life and they don't have that community. And it's the, like you alluded to, Leah, it's the, this, the number of transitions that happen all in a short amount of time that is very, very challenging. And on a little bit different note, the least successful retirees I see are the ones that hated what they did for a living and they looked forward to retirement so they could begin doing what they enjoyed. That's a tough way to live, man. Grinding at something you don't enjoy for 70% of your life so you can enjoy what you do like for the other 30%, that's that's challenging. But the most successful are, are those that loved what they did and continued their involvement in some similar vein or a passion of theirs at, at just a reduced scale. Yeah, it's like that lifetime of tending the garden in something that you don't like to think that all of a sudden, magically, it will be fine. That's an interesting perspective, and I think just something to be aware of. One thing that I also think about with retirees and retirement and this transition is grief and loss. And I think a lot of times it's really subtle and it's an undercurrent. I'm not sure that we always recognize grief and loss when it's something other than when someone dies. So much grief and loss about your identity about your community, about your friendships, about your purpose, about your worth, I think is this very subtle, dark undercurrent that doesn't always get acknowledged, that we try and fill up and run from instead of facing head on and just acknowledging that change is hard, that these transitions are hard. Everyone congratulates us when we retire and we might be feeling awful. And so we try and put on the brave face saying, yay, I'm excited about this. And maybe we're just totally scared on the inside because of how much we're perceiving that we're losing. So I think just taking a pause and acknowledging that in yourself and in the people around you and invite those conversations and maybe what the fears and hesitations are, that it's just a real part of being human. I think that's a great point, Leah. Retirement can be terrifying for a number of reasons, many of which you just pointed out. But it's also a time when you begin contemplating your mortality, maybe for the first time, and that your life your lifespan will probably come to an end during this chapter of your life. And that can generate a ton of anxiety. And I think we always know life's short, but during the years when you're working and you're growing your family and you're younger, it's easy to suppress the emotional recognition of that fact that life is short. But when the realization that you're going to cease existence really hits home, it can be disabling. And the end may feel near, but in all likelihood, a retiree in their 60s may very well live two or three more decades. But those thoughts start to creep in, and it can be challenging, it can be disabling, and it can bring a lot of anxiety to your life. 
one thing I thought about in terms of helping retirees kind of get through that transition is to consider, you know, maybe taking a short sabbatical from their work a few years before they actually retire, segue into part-time hours versus kind of a full stop on the cliff. You figure out what you need to help you decide how to smooth out that transition instead of just falling off a cliff. That cliff can be so abrupt. And we don't even realize it's coming because we're so used to being resilient and capable and make decisions and we just move on until there's this incredible void and vacuum. And then we kind of lose it. We go, now what? What just happened? I don't know what to do. And that kind of paralysis sets in. So if we kind of look ahead and maybe see what's coming and then work backwards, again, like part-time hours to kind of segue into that transition might be really helpful for some people. I think that's a great idea. Phased retirement or, you know, what I alluded to earlier about an encore career where maybe you don't have the same responsibilities or hours or obligations, but you're still staying socially engaged and your mind is still being trained and staying sharp. That can be hugely beneficial. The encore career, maybe you have more choice of what that looks like and it can blend personal meaning and social impact and maybe even a continued stream of income. Honestly, the people I know in encore careers are probably the most energized and happiest cohort of people that I that I know, period. I think it's because they're using a lifetime's worth of skills and knowledge to help out in a way that's usually tangibly helping other people in some fashion. Like they're really living their passion and really living their purpose because it's not tied to needing to generate income for survival. Um, So let's talk about that a little bit more. The concept of retirement, we have stored away our resources for the winter, um, like a squirrel in that analogy, and we've set the plan and we have confidence that we can continue our lifestyle, however measured or modified it may be, but we have confidence, confidence that we can do that so we can live those passion projects. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the, the retirement hazards and shifting from a saving mentality to that spending mentality. What are your thoughts on that, Matt? My thought is that it is hugely challenging because most successful savers are lousy retirement spenders. Say that again. Most successful savers, you got there because of frugality or living below your means. So most successful savers are lousy retirement spenders. Mm. And I think it's because it's a massive psychological shift and it takes time. You've been an accumulator. You've been saving money in your portfolio for four or five decades, and now you become a spender in one day? That can mess with your head a little bit. Old habits die hard, and especially a habit you've had for 40 years, that can die really hard. Maybe it doesn't even die at all, actually. And it takes time to transition from being a saver to a spender. And you have this fear of outliving your money, which is a very worthy concern. But there's got to be balance in living a purposeful life And not always a financially fearful one. Just know that if you have a plan, hopefully you have a a plan that shows, hey, you're going to be all right. But you're still receiving a paycheck. It's just coming from your portfolio and probably Social Security rather than an employer or a business. It's a huge psychological shift and it's challenging. Definitely. And especially if we talk about a generation that was raised by the World War I generation and the Great Depression generation, the boomers and the retirees who were raised in that mentality, I don't know how long this needs to last me. And so there's that inherent like distrust of the plan, even when there's plenty from the outside perspective. So what are some practical strategies for shifting from saving to spending? Is that a conversation you have with your clients, Matt? 
Yeah, I don't know where I heard this, but I think it's good. It's a strategy that's called YOLO with a twist. YOLO means you only live once. And so that's a motto that a lot of people have. And I think the traditional form of adopting a motto like YOLO, it can lead to overspending and and poor financial decisions. But in retirement, as we approach our expiration date, you have an unchecked bucket list. And these items need to start being addressed or they need to be removed from the list altogether. A paradox of retirement is there's so much time, yet so little of it. Because it's not about necessarily how long you live. It's about how long you're fit and healthy enough to enjoy the things on your bucket list and enjoy the things that are most important to you. And that's something that escapes a lot of retirees that I work with. They think they have 30 years to do all these things that are important to them, when in reality, you have the go-go years of the 60s, the slow-go years of the 70s, and the no-go years of the 80s traditionally. And when you enter the slow-go and the no-go years, your aspiration, your fire for doing some of these things starts to fade. And so you might not have 30 years to do all these things that are important to you. You might have a decade, depending on when you retire. Again, everyone's differently, but you probably don't have as long as you think you have while you're healthy, while you're fit, while you're ready to go do these things. I always tell people, give yourself time to work through the transition from being an accumulator to a spender. And try to find permission for the occasional splurge on what's important to you to just build that successful retirement and develop memories of the shared vacations and the spending on experiences with your friends and your family. That Those type of things tend to bring a lot of joy. Again, not to everybody, but to most people. And not to be morbid, but spend money on the unique experiences because each of those unique experiences might be the last time you have that unique experience. Yes, I cannot think of any retiree that I am in contact with, whether clients, whether personal relationships, mentors, friends, family members who regret spending money on the family vacation, who regret footing the bill for the kids and grandkids to come up to the cabin and have a long week together. Like, I I honestly, I, I do not hear one regret. I hear nervousness leading into it, but I never hear a regret on the back end. And I think, Matt, it's also really difficult. Uh, we we are of the generation that wants to spend money on experiences, but our older generation, not so much. So I recognize that an inherent tug of war between, but I need to make it last, and I don't want to be a burden on my kids, and I don't know how long I'm going to live, and just that inherent panic to then start to feel comfortable spending money early on those experiences with loved ones, with family members. It is tricky, listeners. That's what we're saying. It's tricky. And we're trying to bring this conversation out loud to know that we are a safe space to talk about it with. And hopefully the people closest to you are a safe space to talk about it with as well, to encourage you, to inspire you, to let you know that you're not alone and you don't have to do it all by yourself. If something happens and something goes haywire and you have a really severe medical challenge and it's going to exhaust more of your resources than you anticipated, hopefully the good news is you're not alone and you're not in a vacuum and your village and your tribe will rally around you to lift you up and support you. I I love it. I love everything that you just said, Leah. And I have a personal anecdote about people not regretting the time they spent with their family or the vacations that they made with those closest to them. And I recently had the opportunity to spend time with a bunch of extended family. The ages ranged anywhere from nine months to the oldest person there was in their 80s. 
And generally when we get together, it's because somebody died or somebody got married. We just had an incredible time together and had such good memories that were created. And there was roughly 30 of us. We have since all committed to doing a family vacation next year, so 12 months from now. And we already have the place booked and everyone's looking forward to it. And, you know, you mentioned that our generation is kind of all in on on spending money on experiences. And I totally agree with that. But the people that were the oldest in that group and from older generations were the ones that were pushing for this family vacation. So again, going back to your point of people rarely ever regret getting together with family and creating memories and going on vacation and doing those things that just create memories that you can take with you forever. I have another personal anecdote about that. I recently learned um, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, their mom was in a, a severe accident, surprising accident, and it shot her in the hospital with surgery after surgery. And this is a woman who's still working and working two or three jobs to still make ends meet. And they sent out a call. They just sent out a call to all the people and they said, you know what? Our mom, she loves on everyone so hard. Let's love back on her. And people just chipped in 25 bucks, 50 bucks, $20,000 later in this outpouring of support and love from her tribe that says, we love you. We care about you. And you do not have to do this alone with this out of the blue, left field, surprising, debilitating accident. And people just answered the call. I love stories like that because it really helps me when I'm talking with clients and engaging with people in my life where they're like, I don't want to be a burden and I have to do this by myself. I get that. I'm that way too. I want to be independent. I want to make sure that I can take care of myself. I get that. And stories like this, like the one you just shared about your extended family, let's not let any more time pass before we reach out and tell each other how much we love each other. I love that. So how do you know when you can retire, Matt? Um, is it a, a hard dollar figure? I know it always comes back to like it's different for everyone, but what are some some basic things to look at when we're trying to figure out like, is it okay? Is it basically just time, time in the saddle, or is it kind of dollar amount at the end of the day? Do you have any advice for, for us on that? Yeah. First, you need to decide if you're ready to retire. Are you still enjoying what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Is there something else you'd rather be doing? Money is not necessarily the panacea most make it out to be in retirement. Yes, you have to have enough of it to avoid a healthcare scare or an economic shock or unforeseen expenses, but there's there's more to that. Consider your hobbies and your interests and how you're going to fill 40 to 50 hours of your time. One of the activities that I do with a lot of my clients that I know they're not ready to retire is I print out a blank calendar and say, here you go, fill it out. What What do your days look like? You can only golf and go out to lunch with your spouse so many days in a row. And so like we talked about earlier, leading up to retirement, invest in the activities and relationships that can fill that time. So the first thing is to understand if, hey, are you ready and how are you going to spend your retirement? Having a plan for that. And then you have to determine if you're financially able to. And absent of a well-defined and comprehensive retirement plan where you go through the process of quantifying your lifestyle and the goals that are most important to you. I don't know how you develop that confidence and clarity about when to retire or when you can retire. 
Matt, one of the things I love about you and what you're trying to do for clients is this holistic approach. I do not know any other financial advisor who is concerned about what I'm going to do when I retire, who's concerned about looking ahead at my calendar and helping me fill my days to ease that transition. All of the financial people I know are like numbers, 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 or they're looking at historic performance, or they're just trying to make sure that the number matches. Matt, you are incredible. You are an incredible asset and advisor to the people in your life, to the friends in your life, to your family, to your clients that says like, I care enough about you and I'm looking far enough ahead down the road to know that this is an issue. And then you kind of very softly invite clients to participate in that conversation with you. You don't say like, well, have you done this yet? You like, let's talk about it. Let's come up with a creative plan. Let's get visual about it. Cause how easy it for us to say, oh yeah, I'll be fine. Oh yeah, that's no problem. And you bring out this calendar that says in cold, hard truth, are you going to be fine? Do you have any play dates? How are you going to spend your time? And like, there's no avoiding it when it's that visual in front of us. Matt, hats off to you. Shoot. Well, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, my job is to maximize my clients' wealth opportunities, but there's there's just more to that than maximizing the wealth opportunities. So I appreciate your kind words and Hopefully I'm, I'm carrying out what I, what I promised to carry out. So. Well, some way down the road, I hope we are still in touch in 20, 30 years when I'm ready to retire and you put that calendar under my nose. And I hope to goodness that I have all the days full of living this life in joy, in gratitude. I hope I can make that happen. Thank you. We've talked about a lot of stuff. We've talked about what does it mean to retire, to withdraw from a place or retreat, to put something to rest. But we're also talking about we're not ready to close that book. We need to keep that chapter open because the story's not over. So many transitions at once can be really unsettling. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of loss. And at the same time, we need to shift from saving to spending to live our life, to not let that bucket list go on for too long, and to really tap into the things that bring us joy and happiness what else are we talking about in terms of retirement and retirement hazards and strategies? My final thought on this is that there's no one secret formula that works for everyone. We sound like a broken record by saying that, but I, I think it's true. It can take a lot of different forms and shapes of having a successful retirement. And there's a lot of different ways you can be successful, but it's important I think to have a plan of attack and a plan of how you're going to stay engaged and how you're going to spend your time and making sure that's in alignment with what's important to you. I, for one, am really curious from any of our listeners how they are navigating retirement and what their own plan is for leaning into a successful retirement when the time comes. Reach out to us. You have our emails, Leah at entrustedaccounting.com and Matt at inspirewealthpartners.com. Until next time, Matt. Wait, hold up. Hold up. You don't have a quote? Uh, oh, Leah doesn't have a quote. Oh, hold on. We caught her off. Hold on. I need a good one. Um, life is too short to provide for everything. And so choose you must. And as you choose, choose only the best. In books, in friends, in experiences, in everything. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.